the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, He has created us with purpose and intention and value. That's what we need to understand about how we are wonderfully created. God's omnipotence and all of His power, the human life is an expression of His divine power. That life is not a mistake. Your life is not an accident. And life is certainly not a blob of tissue in a mother's womb. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel, Italysburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. There are so many precious truths nestled in the verses of Psalm 139. David's heart overflows with the themes. There is no place we can hide from God's presence. He has created us with intentionality, care, and forethought. He knows us intimately, thinks about us all the time, and He loves us passionately. Since God knows us so well, we can afford to allow Him to have His way in our hearts. In today's message, Pastor Gary will exalt the extravagant glory of God, not just in the heavens, but in our hearts. Won't you get to know Him today? Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Psalms, chapter 139, with part two of his message, The Divine Attributes of a Personal God. Now listen, we also emit electromagnetic activity. Our brain waves. That's why we have EEGs that can record those things. So don't you know that if a duck-billed platypus can read the intentions of shrimp and frog from 15 feet away, that your father in heaven can read your electromagnetic activity of your brain and know your thoughts. And he knows all of what we think, the good and the bad of it. So maybe we would work work harder at controlling our thought life if we knew that other people could hear our thoughts because God can hear all our thoughts. You perceive my thoughts from afar. He also adds in verse 3 that God knows not only my actions and my thoughts, but in verse 3, my activities. He says, you know my going out, which is my public life, and my lying down, which is my private life. You are familiar with all my ways. Job would write in Job 31.4, Does he, does God not see my ways and count my every step? God knows all our ways. And then also verse 4, God knows my unspoken words. In verse 4 he says, Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Now, isn't this true? Some of us don't even know our words until they roll off our tongue. 
And if you had that kind of personality where you think about it after the fact, where you say things and then you think about it. We should think and then speak, but a lot of times we speak and then think. If we had a show of hands, I'm sure all of us at some point would admit that at some point in our life, we have said stuff that we wish we could grab in midair and stuff it back into our mouths. Well, God knows them even before they roll off our tongue. David says here, you know, my word, the words on my tongue, you know completely before I even speak it. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, now this side of heaven, I know in part. But then one day when I'm with the Lord, I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. We are fully known by God. And one day we will have greater understanding than we do now. But the point that Paul is making is that there's nothing with God concerning us that he does not know. He knows everything about us. Our thoughts, before words roll off our tongue, he knows our leisure, he knows when we're at work, he knows when we're at rest, he knows everything about us. Now, what is so amazing, though, about God's knowledge of us in all that he knows, and he knows everything about us, he knows the good, the bad, and the ugly, the amazing thing is that he still loves us. That he still loves us. God knows everything about you. And yet he still loves you. Now, he's broken hearted over our sin and he's grieved when we disobey him. But even with the knowledge of our thoughts and our words and our heart, he still loves us. God knows everything about us. He knows what we've done. He knows every place we've gone. He knows every idea we have thought. He knows every word we formulate before it even rolls off our tongue. And yet he still loves us. And this is why, in part, I'm convinced that David writes in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And this is an incredible thought that God knows everything about me, everything about me, and yet he still loves me, and he stays with me, and he cares about me. And this transcends any human relationship. No other person on the planet knows you like God knows you. Not even we ourselves. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And yet in spite of all of that, he loves us, and he stays with us. And he cares about us. It's amazing to us. David, in essence, said, this blows my mind to consider how God knows all these things about me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. If you look at the second stanza with me, verses 7 through 12, what we learn about the omnipresence of God for us personally, personalizing this, is number two, that God is always with me. God is always with me. Verses 7 and 8, David says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Now, circle the word depths in your Bible. It is the Hebrew word sheol, which is the ancient word for hell. David says, If I, if I were able to go as high as the heavens to the north, or as low as hell to the south, you're with me. You're everywhere. I, I can't escape you. The heights of heaven and the depths of hell, you're always with me. By the way, the Puritans of the 16th and 17th centuries 
The Puritans wanted to remind each other that heaven was high and hell was low all the time, and so they developed that as a regular greeting. So when Puritans in the 16th and 17th century would see each other, one would say, heaven is high, and the other person in response would say, hell is low. Over the centuries, that got abbreviated to our common greetings today. Hi and hello. You get extra information for no charge here at Cornerstone, friends. But this is basically what David is saying. As high as heaven is and as low as hell is, I can't escape the presence of God. He goes on in verses 9 and 10 to say, if I rise on the wings of the dawn. Now, the dawn is the rising of the sun, so it's the east. He says, if I go as far east as I could possibly go, or if I settle on the far side of the sea. I'm I'm going east and west backwards, but I'm doing it for you. But if I settle on the far side of the sea, if I go west, even there you are, your right hand will hold me fast. He says, if I go north, if I go south, if I go east, if I go west, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. I can't escape your presence. Now understand his heart and his intent here. David is not saying man, I want to get rid of God and I can't go anywhere where he doesn't tag along. You know, he's not trying to say that. Like that country music song that is entitled, How Can I Miss You If You Won't Go Away? (laughs) It's another reason why I don't like country music. But anyway, he's not saying that. He's not saying, you know, I, I just want to get away from God, but if I go north or south or east or west, he's always there. No, 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 he's writing this from a heart of consolation about it. He's saying, in essence, it doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter how far I am. It doesn't matter what direction. It doesn't matter the depths of my life. Wherever I am, I am comforted by the assurance that God is always with me, that God will never leave me, that God will never forsake me, that God will never abandon me in good times and in dark times. In fact, he goes on to talk about the darkness in verses 11 and 12. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, Lord. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. There are three kinds of darkness in our world. There is literal physical darkness, The lights go out, you light a candle, you sit in the dark, God is with you. There's spiritual darkness. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then there's emotional darkness. It's times of despair and gloom. We read about this in Psalm 107, where it says, Some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Praise God. David is saying, no matter where I am, physically, spiritually, or emotionally, there's no dark place of my life but that God is not there. Everywhere I go, God is there. Again, listen, friends. I think it's wonderful if you love to study the deep things of God and get your theological books out about the omnipresence and the omniscience of God. But I I can tell you this. The omnipresence of God will only be theoretical in your life until you understand how practical it is that he is always with you. The omnipresence of God means he will never leave you, never forsake you. 
Good times, bad times, high times, or low times. God is always with you. Look at the third stanza. David helps us to understand between verses 13 and 18 what we need to learn about the omnipotence of God. For us personally, number three, it means that God has wonderfully created me. Verse 13, David writes, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now let me tell you before I read the rest of that stanza just how fearfully and wonderfully made you are. The complexity and the intricacy of the human body. A sperm connects with an egg, produces a single cell. From that single cell, it divides and produces in the human body 60 trillion cells, 206 bones, 600 muscles, and 93,000 miles of blood vessels. If you took the DNA strand from the nucleus of a single cell and stretched it out, it would be six feet long. If you took the DNA from the nuclei of all the cells in your body and stretched it end to end, it would stretch from the earth to the sun and back 300 times. The human heart beats 37 million times per year. It pumps 3,600 gallons of blood per day. Your blood circulates through your entire body in 23 seconds. The nerve impulses travel up to 250 miles per hour. There are 10,000 taste buds on your tongue. Dr. Philip Bishop, a professor of exercise physiology at the University of Alabama, served also as a visiting scientist in the NASA Exercise Countermeasures Program at Johnson Space Center in Houston, wrote an article entitled, quote, Evidence of God in Human Physiology, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, end quote. That was the title of his article. And in the article, he concludes this, quote, After several years of spending full time studying the human body, I have to agree with the words recorded in the holy writings of the Jews and Christians. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, end quote. David adds here in verse 16, Your eyes, God, saw my unformed body. Even before I was conceived, God saw you. And he says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you realize that God has a ledger? And he writes the number of days for every single human being. All the days ordained for us were written in God's book before one of them came to be. Which means that God has already determined the length of your days. And that should be comforting because a lot of us sometimes live with fear that we're going to die prematurely. You're not going to die before God's timing. All the days ordained for you were written in God's book before one of them came to be. I have to admit to you, I'll confess to you, I don't enjoy flying. I don't, because that, that fear comes over me when we're flying. I mean, there's so many things that could go wrong. And, you know, I think to myself, okay, has that, I, I, you know, I, first of all, I don't like the TSA pat down. You know what I'm saying to you? It's like, gee whiz, I don't smoke, but I feel like I need a cigarette now. And then... And then you get on the airplane, and I'm thinking to myself, is, has, the, has the pilot been drinking? I don't know. They're not supposed to, but I don't know. You know, and somebody's laptop battery could overheat in the baggage compartment. and then they'll, So, you know, all that stuff's going. There, 
I'll be honest with you. There are three ways I don't want to die. Plane crash, eaten alive by sharks, and beaten to death by clowns. That's the way I... <laughs> Did clowns freak anybody else out besides me? Just like, get them away from me. Demons with makeup. I mean, I'm just telling you. And yet, and so, so when I get on the airplane, you know what I'm thinking about? This verse. Okay, all the days are ordained for you. Written in your book before one of them came to be. I mean, if it's my day, it's my day. And if it's not, I'm going to be fine. Now, the only little nervous thing about that is I do look around the plane and I wonder if their day is up. You know what I'm saying? A... <laughs> so I'm, I'm working on it. You can pray for me. But, but in essence, that's what David is saying. He's like, yeah, listen, all the days are ordained for us written in his book before one of them came to be. So we can relax. God is in charge of our lives from the beginning to the end. And he saw our unformed body before we were even conceived. This is what God said to Jeremiah the prophet when he called Jeremiah as a prophet to Israel in Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God has knowledge of us even before we're conceived. Listen, friends. You can't read Psalm 139 without understanding that every human life matters to God inside and outside the womb. God cherishes human life. If he knows our unformed body even before we are conceived, if he knit us together in our mother's womb, then he has created us with purpose and intention and value. That's what we need to understand about how we are wonderfully created. God's omnipotence and all of his power. The human life is an expression of his divine power. That life is not a mistake. Your life is not an accident. And life is certainly not a blob of tissue in a mother's womb. God has created us with purpose and intention and value and on the authority of Psalm 139 alone, I can declare to you that God is pro-life and so should every Christian be. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by your creator. Oh, how omnipotent God is. In the fourth stanza here, verses 19 to 24... What we learn about the omnirighteousness of God for us personally is that God is constantly working on me. Now, the first part of this section is difficult at first glance, I'll be honest with you. In verse 19, David talks about wishing for the death of the wicked. In verse 21, he says that he hates those who hate God. And how can hate your enemies here square with the words of Jesus when he calls us to love our enemies. So in order to understand the context of Psalm 139 and other places like it, we need to understand a little bit about ancient texts. Because the words hate and love in ancient biblical usage do not carry the exact meaning as hate and love in our modern vocabulary. We think of hate and love as opposite extremes. But in biblical terms, they were not necessarily meant as opposites, but sometimes used as comparative statements. 
So when David talks here about hating the wicked, what he's really talking about is comparatively to the holiness of God, the all-holiness, the all-righteousness of God. He is not expressing here personal vengeance. He is expressing a moral repugnance. He's talking about the wickedness of the world and how, how it is morally repugnant to him. Even Jesus used the word hate in Luke 14, 26, when he said that if you really want to follow me, you have to hate your family and even hate your own life. Now, he didn't mean you should have disdain for the people that you love or disdain for your own life. He used it in a biblical ancient sense where what he's saying is, if you really want to follow me, you have to love me more than anyone or anything else. So he's not calling for a disdain in that hateful sense. He's he's just talking about in a comparative sense. You have to love me more than anyone or anything else if you really want to follow me. So when David writes here about hating the enemies of God and and hating the wicked, he's using it in a comparative statement that compared to the all-surpassing perfection of God's righteousness and holiness, the wickedness of this world grieves me. But lest you think that David is making a proud statement like, oh, the wicked and oh, I'm so righteous. No, no, no. Because in the closing part of this stanza, he actually asked God to search his own heart for wickedness. In verses 23 and 24. He says in verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. That word search again is similar to verse 1, the idea of mining or digging deep, like you're mining out metal or or, uh, minerals from the earth. Like plumb the, the depths of my heart, Lord. Search my heart. Test me. That term there is used in ancient times like refiners when they would refine metal and heat up the furnace. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. Now, King James and New King James right there translates that as wicked ways. See if there's any wickedness. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So he personalizes this. He's like, as much as I hate the wickedness of the world, he says, Lord, I want you to slay the wicked. But he says, I want you to slay it starting in me. I want you to search my heart and test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me, any wickedness in me. Because he wants to be clean before God. He wants God to work on the wickedness of his own heart. So he says, Lord, cleanse me of my own wickedness and lead me in the path everlasting. This psalm here is intended to be intensely personal. I want you to come away from this study, yes, knowing about the omniscience of God, but knowing it in the sense of that he knows you intimately in every way. Yes, I want you to know about the omnipresence of God. That's a divine attribute, but I want you to know it in the sense that he's always with you. Never leave you. Never forsake you. I want you to understand the omnipotence of God. But as we personalize this, we need to understand he created us in our mother's womb. He knit us together. That word to knit means to embroider the details of our lives. And yes, we should know the omni-righteousness of God, the holiness of God, but let it begin with us. May we ask the Lord, search my heart, Lord. If there's any wickedness in me, deal with my life. 
and lead me in the path everlasting so that one day I'll stand in your presence forgiven because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, We'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week. Or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.